Chapter Eight of the Jungle Girl by Gordon Casserly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. A Girl in the Forest. From the frontier of Bhutan, six thousand feet up on the face of the mountains, a line of men wound down the serpentining track that led to Rangadwar. At their head walked a stockly built man with cheery Mongolian features, wearing a white cloth garment, kimono shaped, and kilted up to give freedom to the sturdy bare thighs and knees, the legs and feet cased in long felt soled boots. It was the Deb Zimpun, the envoy of the independent border state of bhutan behind him came a tall man in khaki tunic breeches puttees and cap his breast covered with bright colored ribbons his uniform was similar to the british but his face was unmistakably chinese as were those of the twenty tall khaki clad soldiers armed with magazine rifles at his heels they were followed by three or four score Bhutanese swordsmen, thick-set and not unlike Gurkhas in feature, with bare heads, legs, and feet, and clad only in a single garment similar to their leaders and kilted up by a cord around the waist, from which hung a da, a short sword or long knife in rear of them trudged a number of coolies some laden with bundles others with baskets of fruit where the track came out on the bare shoulder of a spur free from the small trees and undergrowth clothing the mountains the deb zimpun pointed to the ruse of the building in the little station a thousand feet below them and hitherto invisible to them that is rangodwar he said briefly the chinaman behind him looked down at it it seems a very small and weak place to have stopped our invading troops in the war he said in bhutanese so here lives the man the man yes perhaps he is a man but many very many there be that think him a god or devil they say he can call up a horde of demons in the form of elephants with such he trampled your army into the earth devils leave such tales to lamas and the ignorant fools that believe their teaching but if even a part of what i have heard about this man be true he is more dangerous than many devils he stands in china's way and he who does shall be swept aside he is my friend said the deb simpun shortly and tramped on in silence before they reached the station they were met by two of the political officers men Butias resident in british territory detailed to receive and guide them to the government dak bungalow in which the deb zimpun and as many of his followers as could crowd into it 
were to reside during their stay arrived at it the long line filed into the compound half a mile away down the hill colonel dermot and wargrave watched them through their field glasses who is that fellow in khaki uniform sir asked the subaltern the political officer lowered his binoculars and laughed a gentleman i've been very anxious to meet he's the chinese amban we call him an envoy of the republic of china to bhutan but the chinese themselves prefer to regard him as a representative of the suzerainty they pretend to exercise over the country i'm curious to see him he is a product of the times an example of the modern celestial educated at heidelberg university and oxford speaks german french and english he has been specially chosen by his government to come to a buddhist land as he is a son of the abbot of the yellow lama temple in pekin and so might have influence with the bhutanese by reason of his connection with their religion but what have the chinese to do with bhutan nothing now but they've been intriguing for years to re-establish the suzerainty they once had over it this amban wan si hung by name is a clever unscrupulous and particularly dangerous individual you seem to know a lot about him colonel it's my business to do so there is no apparent reason for his coming here with the deb zimpun nor has he a right to but i won't object for i want to study and size him up by the way the envoy will make his official call on me this morning would you like to be present very much indeed i am always interested in seeing the various races of india and learning all i can about them i love a job like yours sir going in out of the way places and dealing with strange peoples would you the political officer looked at him thoughtfully are you good at picking up native languages fairly so i got through my lower and higher standard hindustani first go and have passed in marathi and taken the higher standard persian colonel dermot regarded him critically and then said abruptly come to my office a few minutes before eleven that's the hour i fixed for the deb zimpun's visit punctually at the time named wargrave reached the dermot's bungalow on the road outside of which a guard of honor of fifty sepoys under an indian officer was drawn up passing along the veranda he entered the office and saluted the colonel who seated at his desk looked up and nodded for him to be seated and then returned to the dispatch that he was writing in a few minutes a confused murmur drew nearer down the road and was stilled by the sharp words of command to the guard of honor and by the ring of rifles brought to the present in salute 
over the low wall of the garden appeared the heads and shoulders of the envoy and his chinese companion followed by a train of attendants and swordsmen they passed in through the gate the political officer rose as the deb zimpun removed his cap entered the office and rushed towards him the bullet-headed cheery old gentlemen beamed with pleasure as they shook hands and greeted each other in Bhutanese, wargrave marvelled at the ease and fluency with which colonel dermot spoke the language the amban now entered the room and was formally presented by the deb zempun speaking in excellent english but with an accent that showed that he had first acquired it in germany he said i am very pleased to meet you colonel i have heard much of you in bhutan it gives me equal pleasure to make your excellency's acquaintance and to welcome you to india replied dermot with a bow then in his turn wargrave was presented to the two asiatics and the envoy calling an attendant in took from him two white scarves of chinese silk and placed one round each officer's neck in the custom known as katag all sat down and the envoy plunged into an animated conversation with colonel dermot first producing a metal box and taking betel nut from it to chew while the attendant placed a spittoon conveniently near him yun shi hung chatted in english with wargrave who was astonished to find him a well-educated man of the world and thoroughly conversant with european politics art and letters but for the inscrutable yellow face the subaltern could have believed himself to be talking to an able continental diplomat the contrast between the semi-savage bhutanese official and his companion in whom the most modern civilized gentleman's manners were successfully grafted on the old-time courtesy of the chinese aristocrat was very striking the old envoy was a frank barbarian he laughed loudly and clapped his hands in glee when colonel dermot presented him with a gramophone which it appeared he had longed for ever since seeing one on a previous visit to india and taught him how to work it he showed his beetle-stained teeth in an ecstatic grin when a record was turned on and from the trumpet came the political officer's familiar voice addressing him by name and in his own language with many flourishes of oriental compliment towards the termination of their call the deb zumpin called in two attendants with large baskets of fine blood oranges and walnuts from bhutan and presented them in return a number of coolies were needed to carry off the royal gift of the flesh of the bison the sight of which made the envoy's eyes glisten he shook wargrave's hand warmly when he learned to whose rifle he owed it he, then he and his chinese companion took their leave 
and with their followers passed up the hilly road wargrave gazing after them came to the conclusion that of the pair he preferred the savage to the ultra cultivated celestial having thanked the colonel for permitting him to be present at the interview which had interested him greatly the subaltern was about to leave when mrs dermot appeared at the office door may i come in kevin she began oh good morning mr wargrave i was just sending a chit letter to you and captain burke asking you to tea this afternoon a coolie has arrived from the pilkahana to say that mr and miss benson and mr carter are on their way up and will be here soon so you'll meet them at tea you will like miss benson she's a dear girl thanks very much mrs dermot i'd be delighted to come if you'll forgive me should i be a little late i've got to take the signaler's parade this afternoon i'll tell burke when i get to the mess i'm going straight there now thank you that will save me writing au revoir halfway up the road to the mess wargrave looked back and saw an elephant heave into sight around a bend below the dermot's house and plod heavily up to their gate on the charjama the passenger carrying contrivance of wooden seats on the pad with footboards hanging by short ropes sat a lady and two european men holding white umbrellas up to keep off the vertical rays of the noonday sun when the animal sank to its knees in front of the bungalow wargrave saw the girl it could only be miss benson spring lightly to the ground before either of her companions could dismount and offer to help her her big sun hat hid her face and at that distance wargrave could only see that she was small and slight as she walked up the garden path when the signer's afternoon practice was over the subaltern passed across the parade ground to the political officer's house when he entered the pretty drawing-room bright with the gay colors of chintz curtains and cushions he found the strangers present one man talking to mrs dermot at her tea-table the other chatting with the colonel while burke was installed beside a girl seated in a low cane chair and dressed in a smart hand-embroidered to soar silk dress suede shoes and silk stockings little brian stood beside her with one arm affectionately around her neck while eileen was perched in her lap but when frank appeared the mite wriggled down to the floor and rushed to him the subaltern was presented to miss benson her father and carter the subdivisional officer or civil service official of the district when he sat down eileen clambered on to his knee and seriously interfered with his peaceful enjoyment of his tea but while he talked to her he was watching miss benson 
over the small golden head she was astonishingly pretty with silky black hair curving in natural waves dark bordered irish gray eyes fringed with long thick lashes a rose-tinted complexion a pouting red-lipped mouth and a small nose with the most fascinating provoking suspicion of a tip tilt she was as small and daintily fashioned as her hostess and wargrave thought it marvellous that their forgotten outpost on the face of the mountains should hold two such pretty women at the same time his comrade burke was evidently acutely conscious of muriel benson's attractions and his pleasantly ugly face aglow with a happy smile he was flirting as openly and outrageously with her as she with him sure it's a cure for sore eyes ye are miss flower face he said that's the name i christened her with the first moment i saw her wargrave doesn't it fit her then turning to the girl again he continued aren't you ashamed of yourself for laving me to pine for a sight av ye all these weary months miss benson could claim to be irish on her mother's side and so was a ready-witted match for the doctor's celtic exuberance though to wargrave watching it seemed that burke's easy banter cloaked a deeper feeling drawn into their conversation frank found the girl to be natural and unaffected without a trace of conceit gifted with a keen sense of humor and evidently as full of the joy of living as a schoolboy he thought her laugh delightfully musical and it was frequently and readily evoked by burke's droll remarks or the quaint oracular sayings from the self-possessed elf on wargrave's knee her admiration of and genuine affection for mrs dermot was very evident when noreen joined their group the subaltern covertly and critically observing her could hardly believe the tales which the hostess had previously told him of the courage and ability that this small and dainty girl had frequently shown but only a few minutes conversation with her father convinced frank that he was an amiably weak and incompetent individual more fitted to be a recluse and a bookworm than a roamer in wild jungles where his work brought him in contact with strange peoples and constant danger it was evident that the reputation which his large section of the terai forest bore as being well managed and efficiently run was not due to him and that somebody more capable had the handling of the work hardly had wargrave come to this conclusion and begun to believe that the stories that he had heard of the daughter's business ability and powers of organization were true when he was given a very convincing proof of her courage and coolness in danger after tea as the sun was nearing its setting 
and a deliciously cool breeze blew down from the mountains a move was made to the garden where the party sat in a circle and chatted when evening came and the dusk rose up from the world below blotting out the light lingering on the hills mrs dermot made her children say good-night to the company and bore them reluctant away to their beds as the darkness deepened the servants brought out a small table and placed a lamp on it and by its light carried round drinks to the men of the party miss benson was leaning back in a cane chair and chatting lazily with burke who sat beside her she had one shapely silk-clad leg crossed over the other and a small foot resting on the grass opposite her sat colonel dermot and wardgrave as the brilliant tropic stars came out in the velvety blackness of the sky occasional silences fell on the party a tale of burke's was interrupted by the political officer's voice saying in a quiet forceful tone miss benson please do not move your foot remain perfectly still a snake is passing under your chair steady burke keep still there was a terror-stricken hush frank looked across in horror the lamplight barely showed in the shadow under the chair a deadly hill viper writhing its way out within a few inches of the small foot firmly planted in its dainty high-heeled shoe he looked at the motionless girl less pale than the men about her she sat quietly smiling faintly and apparently not frightened by the death almost touching her one pink hand lay without a tremor in her lap but the other rested on the arm of her chair and the knuckles showed as white as the fingers gripped the bamboo tightly she did not even glance down but the men frozen with dread watched the shadowy writhing line passing her foot slowly all too slowly until it had wriggled out into the centre of the circle of motionless beings then colonel dermot sprang up seizing his light bamboo chair in a powerful grip he whirled it aloft and brought it crashing down on the viper shattering the chair but smashing the reptile's spine in half a dozen places the other men had risen from their seats but the girl remained seated and said quietly thank you very much colonel for warning me i might easily have moved my foot and trodden on the snake i've seen so many of the horrid things in camp lately now captain burke i'm sorry that the interruption spoiled your story please go on with it her coolness silenced the men who were breaking into exclamations of relief and congratulation even her father sat down again calmly but burke's enthusiastic admiration of her courage found an outlet at mess that night when he recounted the adventure to major hunt and appealed to wargrave for confirmation of the story of her plucky behaviour later in his room as he was going to bed 
frank smiled at the recollection of the irishman's exuberant expressions but he confessed to himself that the girl's calm courage was worthy of every praise she is certainly brave he thought i'm not surprised at old burke's infatuation she is decidedly pretty what lovely eyes she's got and what a provokingly attractive little nose well the doctor's a lucky man if she marries him she seems awfully nice violet will certainly have two very charming women friends in the station if she hits it off with them but as his eyes rested on her pictured face his heart misgave him for he remembered that she had little liking for her own sex and then he told himself these two would probably refuse to know a woman who had run away from her husband to another man when he had turned out the light and jumped into bed he lay awake a long time puzzling over the tangle into which the threads of her life and his seemed to have got time alone could unravel it he tossed uneasily on his bed unable to sleep and presently a slight noise on the veranda outside caught his ear he lay still and listened and it seemed to him that soft footfalls of a large animal's pads sounded on the wooden flooring then suddenly he heard a beast sniffing at his closed door a stray dog he thought but suddenly he remembered burke's account of the panther that haunted the mess and a thrill of excitement ran through him and drove all his unhappy thoughts away he sprang out of bed and rushed across the room to get his rifle but in the darkness overturned a chair which fell with a crash to the ground this scared the animal for there was a sudden scurry outside and by the time wargrave had found the rifle and groped for a couple of cartridges there was nothing to be seen on the veranda when he threw open the door it was a brilliant starlit night burke called to him from his room and when wargrave went to him said that he too had heard the animal which was undoubtedly the panther returning to bed frank was dropping off to sleep half an hour later when he was startled by a shrill agonized shriek coming from a distance rifle in hand he rushed out on to the veranda again and heard faint shouts coming from a small group of butia huts on a shoulder of the hills hundreds of feet above the mess he called out but got no answer and after listening for some time and hearing nothing further he returned to bed and at last fell asleep in the morning he learned that the panther had made a daring raid on a hut and carried off a butia woodcutter's baby from its sleeping mother's side and had devoured it in the jungle not two hundred yards away the derber or official ceremony of the public reception of the bhutan envoy 
and the paying over to him of the annual subsidy of a hundred thousand rupees was held in a marquee on the parade ground in the afternoon there was a guard of honor of a hundred sepoys to salute first the political officer and afterwards the deb zimpoon when he arrived on a mule at the head of the swordsmen and coolies the solemnity of his dignified greeting to colonel dermot was somewhat spoiled by shrieks of delight and loud remarks from eileen who was seated beside her mother in the marquee at the stately appearance of the envoy he was attired in a very voluminous red chinese silk robe embroidered in gold and wearing a peculiar gold-edged cap shaped like a papal tiara the political officer's official dinner took place that evening at his bungalow besides the officers and the three european visitors the deb zimpoon and the ampan were present the latter wore conventional evening dress cut by a london tailor with the stars and ribbons of several orders but the old envoy in his flowing red silk robe completely outshone the two ladies although miss benson was wearing her most striking flock sure we don't look like a state banquet at beckingham palace or a charity dinner at the dublin mansion house said burke looking around the company gathered about the oval dining table he was seated beside miss benson who was on the host's right and facing the amban on his left at the durbar wargrave had noticed that the chinaman stared all the time at the girl and now during the meal he seemed to devour her with an unpleasant gaze gloating over the beauties of her bared shoulders and bosom until she became uncomfortably conscious of herself the unveiled flesh of a white woman is peculiarly attractive to the asiatic the better class females of whose race are far less addicted to the public exposure of their charms than are european ladies while the deb simpoon touched nothing but water the amban drank champagne port and liqueurs freely even the untravelled chinaman is partial to european liquors yet they seem not to affect him but his slanted eyes burned all the more fiercely as their gaze was fixed on the girl opposite him he endeavoured to engage her in conversation across the table and appeared ready to resent any one else intervening in the talk as he dilated on the gaieties and pleasures of life in london berlin and paris where he had been attached to the chinese embassies he glared at burke when the doctor persisted in mentioning the panther's visit during the previous night for the conversation at their end of the table then turned on sport a chance remark of miss benson on tiger shooting made wargrave ask 
have you shot tigers too like mrs dermot and i've never seen one outside a cage the girl smiled and the colonel answered for her miss benson has got at least six seven is it more than my wife has and among them was the famous man-eater of Madurha, which had killed twenty-three persons the natives of the district call her the tiger girl troth my name for you is a prettier one miss benson said burke laughing she made a moo at him but said to the subaltern cheer up mr wargrave you've got lots of time before you yet you oughtn't to complain you've only been a few days here and you've already got a splendid bison and they're rare in these parts we'll have to find him a tiger muriel said the host when you hear of a kill anywhere conveniently near let me know and we'll arrange a beat for him with pleasure colonel we're soon going to the southern fringe of the forest and as you know there are usually tigers to be found in the mullahs on the borders of the cultivated country i'll send you kuburber news thank you very much said wargrave i do want to get one all through the conversation the girl felt the chinaman's bold eyes seeming to burn her flesh and she was glad when the political officer spoke to him and engaged his attention and she was still more relieved when dinner ended and mrs dermot rose to leave the table when the men joined them later on the veranda burke and wargrave made a point of hemming her in on both sides and keeping the amban off for even the short-sighted doctor had become cognizant of the chinaman's offensive stare when he and the deb zimpun had left the bungalow she said to the two officers i'm so glad you didn't let that awful man come near me he makes me afraid there's something so evil about him that i shudder when he looks at me the curse of the crows on the brute exclaimed burke hotly don't ye be afraid we won't let the devil come next or nigh ye will we wargrave and on the following day when the visitors were entertained by athletic sports of the detachment on the parade ground and an interesting archery competition between excited teams of the deb zimpun's followers and of local butias they allowed the ampan no opportunity of approaching her during the sports wargrave noticed on one occasion that he seemed to be speaking of her to the commander of his escort of chinese soldiers a tall evil-faced manchu pock-marked and blind of the right eye who stared at her fixedly for some time at the dinner at the mess that night the two ladies wore frocks that were very little decollete burke as mes president had arranged the table 
so that the amban was as far away from them as possible and wargrave and he mounted guard over miss benson when the meal was ended the deb zimpun had fixed his departure for an early hour on the following morning and was to be accompanied by the political officer who was going to visit the maraja of bhutan in the course of the day the chinese amban had announced to colonel dermot that he did not wish to leave so soon and desired to remain longer in rangadwar but the political officer courteously but very firmly told him that he must go with the envoy early next morning while noreen dermot was occupied with her children and her husband was completing his preparations for departure muriel benson went out into the garden badshah pad strapped on ready for the road was standing at one side of the bungalow swinging his trunk and shifting from foot to foot as he patiently awaited his master the girl greeted and petted him then went to gather flowers and cut branches of bright colored leaves from high bushes of bougainvillea and poinsettia that hid her from view from the house suddenly a harsh voice sounded in her ears i have tried to speak to you alone but those fools were ever in my way do not cry out you must listen to me she started violently and turned to find the amban dressed in khaki and ready to march behind her courageous as she usually was the extraordinary repulsion and terror with which she inspired her kept her silent as he continued i want you and i shall take you sooner or later listen i am one of the richest men in all china one day i shall be president and then emperor the next and when i rule my country I shall no longer be the effigy despised land torn with dissension that it is now i can give you everything that the heart of a woman white or yellow can desire take you from your dull poverty-stricken life to raise you to power and immense wealth i shall return for you one day will you come to me the girl drew back pale as death and unable to cry out he glanced around the tall red-leaved bushes hid them there was no one or nothing within sight except the elephant shifting restlessly answer me he said almost menacingly she was silent he sprang forward and seized her roughly speak you must answer he said the girl shrank at his touch and struggled in vain in his powerful grasp then suddenly she cried out badshah the chinaman thrust his face inflamed with passion and desire close to hers you must you shall come to me by force if not willingly he growled by all the gods or devils but at that instant he was plucked from her by a resistless force 
and hurled violently to the ground dazed and half stunned he looked up and saw the elephant standing over him with one colossal foot poised over his prostrate body ready to crush him to pulp brave as the chinaman was he trembled with terror at the imminent awful death but a quiet voice sounded clear through the garden jane doe let him go the elephant brought the threatening foot to the ground but stood with curled trunk and ears cocked forward ready to annihilate him if the invisible speaker gave the word the girl shrank against the great animal clinging to it and looking with horror at the prostrate man the ambin slowly dragged his bruised body from the ground and staggered shaken and dizzy out of the garden muriel kissed the soft trunk and laid her cheek against it and it curved to touch her hair with a gentle caress then she fled into the bungalow to find colonel dermot on the veranda grimly watching the chinaman stumbling blindly up the steep road his wife beside him opened her arms to the shaken girl he shall pay for that some day muriel said the political officer sternly but not yet an hour later the two women watched the snaking line crawl up the steep face of the mountains and through field glasses they could distinguish badshaw with his master on its neck the deb zimpoon and his followers and the tall form of the chinaman until all vanished from sight in the trees clothing the upper hills benson and carter left that afternoon muriel remaining to spend a little longer with her friend and as she told wargrave to try and regain the affections of the children which he had stolen from her frank was thinking of her the next day as he was standing on the mess veranda after tea cleaning his fowling piece when on a wooded spur running down from the mountains and sheltering the little station on the west he heard a jungle cock crowing in the undergrowth not a four hundred yards away seizing a handful of cartridges he loaded his gun and running down the steps and across the garden plunged into the jungle he walked cautiously his rope-soled boots enabling him to move silently and stopped occasionally to listen for the bird's crow or the telltale pattering over the dried leaves peering into the undergrowth and searching the ground he crept quietly forward suddenly his heart seemed to leap to his throat in a patch of dust he saw the unmistakable pug footprint of a large panther one claw had indented a new fallen leaf showing that the animal had very recently passed wargrave halted and thought hard he had only his shotgun but the sun was near its setting and if he returned to the mess to get his rifle which was taken to pieces and locked up in its case 
darkness would probably fall before he could overtake the panther which was possibly moving on ahead of him so he resolved not to turn back but opened the breech of his gun and extracted the cartridges with his knife he cut their thick cases almost through all round at the wad dividing the powder from the shot for he knew that thus treated and fired the whole upper portion of the cartridges would be shot out of the barrels like solid bullets and carry forty yards without breaking up and scattering the shot reloading he advanced cautiously frequently losing and refinding the trail creeping through a clump of thin bushes he stopped suddenly frozen with horror and dread in an open patch of woodland the two dermot children stood by a tree the girl huddled against the trunk while the little boy had placed himself in front of her and with a small stick in his hand was bravely facing in her defence an animal crouching on the ground not twenty yards away it was a large panther belly to earth tail lashing from side to side it was crawling slowly imperceptibly nearer its prey with ears flattened against the skull and lips drawn back to bear the gleaming fangs in a devilish grin it snarled at the brave child whose dauntless attitude doubtless puzzled it don't cry eileen i won't let it hurt you said the little boy encouragingly go away nasty dog he raised his little stick above his head a boy should always protect a girl his father had often said so he was not going to let the beast harm his tiny sister the panther crouched lower the watcher in the bushes saw the powerful limbs gathering under the spotted body for the fatal spring every muscle and sinew was tense for the last rush and leap as the subaltern raised his gun End of chapter eight